listening to the Infinity Festival Hollywood Podcast. I'm John Gaunt. The Infinity Festival Hollywood Podcast features top creators and technologists as they explore how to push storytelling to the next level. Now, these sessions from the 2021 Infinity Festival Hollywood are presented by Z by HP, NVIDIA, XLA, and co-presented by Qualcomm. The next edition of the Infinity Festival Hollywood will take place November 2nd through November 5th, 2022 in Hollywood's Vinyl District. Visit www.infinityfestival.com to learn more about this year's event. This show features the studio perspective for how technology has transformed film and television production. Graham Younger from Cast and Crew speaks with a stellar panel of experts, including Alex Grimway of Disney TV, Doug Sherman from DreamWorks Animation, Ryan Juan of HBO, and Adam Sloan from Dark Fiber Production. Together, the panel explores new ways studios employ production technology to solve creative and business problems, both in-house and in partnership. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back at the Infinity Festival. We have one big panel to close out the day, and many can say, at least many in this room, that this is the most important panel today. Um, we are going to close out the show with the studio perspective on how technology is transforming production. All day long these last two days, we've been really talking about creativity and tech coming together. Now we're going to dig into how is this really happening. And this panel was put together by our friends at Cast and Crew who are really helping all the infrastructure of production happening today. So let's have a big hand for this panel. We're going to have a great time and close out Infinity Fest. 2021. Cool. I love the energy. Fantastic. We'll have to follow that. Um, realize that we're between you and probably some adult beverages, so we will try and keep it engaging and entertaining. Um, so thank you all for, uh, for joining us today. We're going to talk about um, the studio perspective and how technology, talk about how technology is transforming production. I think we all have gone through an interesting 15, 18 months where uh, certainly, with industries going through transformation, technology plays an important role. And the pandemic has taken the, the want for technology and turned it into a need. But this industry um, and creating content has some uniques. It's not like any other industry. Um, it, uh, it, it requires a lot of thought when it comes to applying technology, and it's not as straightforward as as you would think, and we're, we're really gonna dig into some key themes. If you look at content and the creation of content, it's booming. Uh, we, we have gone from 56 billion in the US last year on production spend, and that's just the spend on content. That's not marketing and distribution. And we're looking at a compound annual growth rate of 17%. So uh, in 2024, it's forecasted to be at 91 billion in just the US alone. So incredible growth. Um, that creates opportunity, but it also creates challenges. And uh, you know, we at Cast and Crew have tried to partner with the industry, uh, trying to understand how we can play an increasing role in being a strategic partner to the major studios, the independent filmmakers, the small filmmakers, commercials, live events, and music tours, and across um, the, the whole industry in really trying to be thoughtful about how we can apply technology to make it easier to, to solution, uh, to solve business problems. So um, I have assembled an incredible uh, group of, of individuals with a wealth of experience uh, to, uh, to really discuss some key topics today. So with me, I have Alex Grimraid, who's uh, the CIO and uh, SVP at uh, Disney TV. Um, welcome, Alex. We have uh, Doug Sherman from DreamWorks Animation. Welcome, Doug. Ryan Wan, who uh, looks after all of his SVP and looks after all of uh, production finance at HBO and HBO Max. Turner, TNT, and TBS. Welcome, Ryan. 
And Adam Sloan, who spent, uh, I think, was it 18 years, Adam, at, uh, at Warner Brothers? 19 and a half. 19 and a half. 19 Sorry, a half. To cut, cut the, the tenure short. Um, but uh, yeah, I, again, a wealth of experience in the industry and really uh, can bring some value to this discussion today. So what did you learn over the last um, 18 months? Uh, what, what, what really were the, the biggest challenges um, when it came to... Uh, understanding what you had to do um, and what was the role of technology in, in overcoming some of those challenges. Alex, do you want to kick us off? Certainly. Uh, during the last 18 months, the shock of COVID uh, presented us with an enormous challenge as everyone experienced, particularly managing production, shutting down production on March 13th, figuring out how to continue production remotely, providing overnight cloud-based tools that could um, allow our productions to continue safely, putting in place COVID rules, the list goes on and on. And one of the great advantages, the, the silver lining of such a terrible experience is that a lot of our organizations embraced technology, something that we have been pushing for for <laughs> decades, and uh, we found that we had laid a really good foundation, and people were able to adopt and leverage and expand, and I don't think it's gonna go away. I think it will be able to um, build on that uh, going forward. There's nothing like a compelling event, right? So, Absolutely. Uh, um, who would like to go, who would like to dig in next? Um, Adam, do you wanna kinda take a, a stab at this? Sure. Yeah, let me add on to what Alex said. You know, um, I would say that, you know, before, you know, that March 13th date and, you know, we could all sort of mark our lives, right, as sort of the uh, BC and, uh, you know, AD period, right? Because I was looking at my desk when I actually recently went back to my old office at Warner Brothers and it was like everything was sort of frozen in time, right, from that March 12th day. And I looked and there was a notepad on my desk that said, start, start, start looking into production in the cloud and see if we could get one or two POCs this year in something related to that, right? And you know, the next day and everything after, you know, just became a hundred percent, right? You know, nothing none of the old ways of doing anything for any department on a production. Costume people couldn't even work the same way. Hair, makeup, set deck, construction, visual effects. But, and the way to solve the problem, right, in every group, you know, was different, you know, because I looked at my corporate tech counterparts and I'm like, you guys had it easy, right? You, you just sent everybody home a laptop, you gave them Microsoft Teams, and you had to scale it to 50,000 people. So the scaling was tough, but we had to solve a different problem in every single function, you know, because creatively the solutions, right, that solve the problem for an editor are completely different from ADR or visual effects or I'm a costume person. In some cases, you were just trying to figure out how to socially distance somebody, right, on set or off set. But in other cases, you were trying to creatively replicate um, a similar experience with similar performance, but in the creative way, right, that that function needed. Ryan, where did your, what did your teams do to adapt? You know, what people don't realize is, is you, know, you watch Star Wars, you watch all these fancy movies that we make. Behind the scenes, we were way behind in the times. We were still using paper. If you guys don't know what the football is, that's just paperwork going from set to the office every day, multiple times a day. Uh, we did paper time cards. We signed your name with a pen. Uh, at that point, uh, you couldn't do that anymore. We had to immediately adapt. Um, and it just basically, we progressed what I would consider tenfold in a matter of months that we have, I have been trying to push and I know other people in the industry have been trying to push for years. And there's a silver lining. As bad as COVID is and as bad as all the, all the stuff going on in the world, we have progressed tenfold uh, in digital purchase orders, digital time cards, digital start paperwork, uh, 
distribution of, you know, cloud-based of distribution of production paperwork, moving information, starting to actually look at analytics, starting to just finally open the floodgates of what is possible in this digital world and how it can actually help production. Um, and so it's it's been fascinating to watch. It's very frustrating. People aren't used to it. The crew is not used to it. They're not trained on it. But we're seeing we're seeing it, you know, slowly adopt a day every every single day. It gets better and better. And I think we're we're on the right path. Doug, how is this industry um, able to adapt to change, especially when it's enforced on it? <laughs> So the change for us is tough. Uh, I talked a little bit about that earlier today. Um, uh, technically, we were actually, we were on our way on a, on a cloud pipeline. Uh, we started like five years ago. And honestly, we, we were geeking out about all of, all of the resources we had to be able to go after that. And we had a lot of successes and demos. And, and we just constantly got kind of a eh, from our artists because they're used to sitting at their desks, three monitors, all color calibrated. Uh, they've got state-of-the-art machines sitting underneath their desks, and they're very tactile, right? So if you've got someone that's shaping a character and they're, and they're literally sort of in that space, uh, real-time uh, sculpting and doing that kind of stuff, when we invited them into the idea of, well, what if you worked on a remoted machine? What if you work from home? They, it was not, it's kind of sour faces. So we're like, uh-oh, <laughs> how are we gonna get adoption? Because the social challenge is the biggest challenge we had. It wasn't the technical challenge. And so with COVID, it was night and day, right? Because now it's like, if you want to do your job, if you want to get the movie out, this is going to be the way. And a lot of the, oh, it's not fast enough, it's too late, or I'm not happy with the color, went away. <laughs> I mean, people still want those things, but there's a lot of forgiveness on, on what we couldn't do and a lot more motivation from our artist base to go help us explore what's possible and then be a little more tolerant of the change. So that was a... I mean, not that I want to, there was nothing great about COVID, but it was a game changer for us in getting the adoption we think we needed to, to pursue what we want. So. And you had to, you had a d delivery dates. Yeah. It, it yeah, those wasn't a choice. <laughs> well, that was a shocker too. It's like, are we still going to release the movie? And like a hundred percent, the streaming media, it's a, it's a valid place to go try some of this stuff out. Our Peacock network suddenly got a lot more traction. So it was a, it's a game changer on a lot of different levels. And, you know, Streaming is one of those things I'll say just personally, I never thought was going to be a thing because I'm a big tyrant when being in the business, you're like, I want, I want that 4K. I know what it can look like in our theaters. I don't want that horribly compressed looking. I don't care anymore. It's amazing. I got my whole library at a snap. Uh, any of my devices, who doesn't want that? There's a lot of forgiveness for what you can get now, uh, being remote and all that kind of stuff. So again, that to me, that was the biggest game changer. It was a social movement of our artist base. I don't know how else we would have got it. So, do you think it stim it stimulates or negates creativity when it comes to remote working? I, I I will say one thing that's missed is that collaboration of everybody in a room and and going over things. I think we've made a lot of advancements over these last couple of years to try to simulate that to try to figure out how to get the best. Uh, sketching kind of thing where everyone can co-collaborate in, in an environment where they feel like they're they're in that same space even even though they're physically remote so I do think there's a little bit of creativity loss when you can't be all in that that same room but I think we've made a lot of advancements to simulate that and I do think again I think this is where there's a will there's a way when you're forced to sort of work in a different environment where you thought I can't I won't I think to preserve your job, to want to continue in this field, I think people found a way just to continue to be creative in those spaces and to share ideas and, and what have you. So I think you can, but I do, I don't want to discount. Do we always, do we think we want to be remote like this forever? Can we just make this work where everyone's at home? And I still think there needs to be some amount of people coming together as, as, as much as I, I, I think it's great that we can have some artists remote. I think you still do, and I think the studio believes, you still need to have people together at certain points to kind of get that synergy between all the artist groups and the storytellers. And the, I think there's something to that, that even on, a, even on a Zoom call or what have you, you just don't quite have it, at least not yet. So.
Yeah, no, it's already relevant. Um, as we start to slowly go back in the office, you immediately see the teams just leaning over. Hey, what, you remember that? Hey, how do I do that? Oh, okay, great. 100%. It, yeah. The efficiencies are just so much faster. Um, so there's pros and cons. The technology will take us to another level on certain things, but the collaboration and just the office environment, being able to see people and talk to people, that generates you know something that you can't get over over uh, a Zoom call or whatever. We did kind of take advantage of some of the restrictions of COVID, and one of them was our ABC Signature team, it's brilliant, sent a camera crew around the world to shoot stock footage of empty streets in Paris, New York, London. We've got shots from around the world now that we've loaded up into our cloud-based stock footage asset management library, and now they're available to all of our productions um, for use. So those, those are the kinds of things I thought was just crazy imaginative. Simple, but stock footage is a subject, right? So stock footage is a, um, a really interesting challenge for production. They just did this one small thing. So. Yeah, very smart. Yeah. Very smart. Adam. Yeah, I would also say that, you know, it gave us options, right? So it's not like it's all remote, all at home, or all at the office. And, you know, I'm just reminded of a situation on uh, one of our movies where we had a lead editor whose uh, parents, you know, got ill. Um, and they lived in, um, you know, Ohio. And he probably would not have finished editing that movie, but he was key, right? Because he was one of the lead editors. This was a tentpole movie, and he was key to kind of creatively, you know, making it work for that director. We were able to let him go to Ohio and be with his uh, parents and finish editing the movie from there. And, you know, it's just having those options, right? Or even, um, you know, there was actually one TV show where we started to have the editors um, just at home. Then the director decided, well, I really want to have, you know, one on set all the time and maybe a few at home. And then they pivoted, you know, again to say, well, I think I'll fly a different editor in for each episode and sort of rotate all the other ones, you know, back home. And so that they all had some time on set, but all the rest were at home. And the ones at home were doing the heavier lifting, right? But it just sort of gives you more options to be on set, off set, at home, in the office. And with more options, obviously, you can do more things creatively and you can keep more people involved who might not have even got onto or stayed on that project. I, I agree. I, I'll add one more thing that one thing that's concerning if anybody's looking to solve this problem, <laughs> which is I, I've noticed as we're coming back, this is a good example of it. We've got this kind of hybrid environment. I, I noticed that in the two years when we're all on any kind of Zoom or Teams call, it's all democratized. We're all equal parties to it because we're all at the same perspective. Uh, now that I've been part, not necessarily this, but I've been part of meetings where we'll have a video display. It's the traditional video display we've always had. It's, a, it's, it's starting to get weird because you, you will have a really engaging conversation with the people in the room physically. And I've noticed the people that normally had stronger voices are getting more and more isolated. Uh, and while we're all on video, it works. When it's becoming hybrid, which it is right now, I'm not convinced it works quite yet. And, and I'm dying to figure out how to bring more immersively the people who are still remote into those conversations. Because I think that's gonna, start to, that's gonna start to get strange these next couple of years. Yeah, all in the office are all remote works. And we've proven that it works. The hybrid model is really awkward. And I think the technology, the software companies need to find a way to address that, both in hardware and software, to be able to pull those voices into the room like they're sitting in the room. And that's, again, one of the challenges. One of the other challenges is as we work remotely and we're distributed, um, we're dealing with highly valuable intellectual property and personal information. So the security and the challenge in keeping that uh, IP under control and that personal information personal is one of the certain things that's front of mind when we're looking at solving those problems. What are your thoughts around security and compliance? Alex? 
Your, your smile suggests that you have it. some emotion associated well, with that topic. <laughs> Among the many things that we think about and work on in our technology organization from cloud-based solutions and asset management and production support, we are 100% of the time conscientious about infosec and content protection, privacy protection. And so we have a mm, layered defense at every production location with cloud monitoring on all activities that are using those networks so that we can provide some safety for those who work on those productions. And if you are emailing information around about a health issue or with uh, other forms of PII, we try to ensure that it's tightly protected and have a lot of practices around that. It sounds really boring of all the things to, <laughs> that we could describe to you, but it's really the essential plumbing of making an infrastructure at, I guess, what do we have now? 200 locations, um, operational and safe. So it's top of mind on everything we do. And it's certainly a challenge with cloud, but it, cloud actually, I think, better protects that data if it's properly used. So it I could go on and on about this if you want. <laughs> uh, I, I'll throw in there and say we're, we've changed quite a bit. So in animation, and I won't just pick on poor DreamWorks, I've worked other animation companies, they've all been guilty of what we call the coconut model, right? If you're inside, it's all soft and gooey and you can see just about everything. <laughs> but if you're on the outside, it's really tough to get in. You really need to kind of have a login and a seat inside the studio, and you can't just walk inside the studio. But that had to change, because as we work in a more global sense, and if we start, as we are, entertaining the idea of artists working remote, uh, we, they can't be inside the, the GUI center. So we've put a lot of effort over these last couple of years to change that mentality. And again, it's not so much a technical one as it's social. Surprisingly, people are like, what do you mean I need to log in once a day? It's, the little things like that you wouldn't think would be such a crazy thing, but it is. And so we've had to kind of socially get people adapted to do things they hadn't been used to doing. And if you get it wrong, it feels like that coconut has fallen from a tree and hit you in the head, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, the thing also that I would say, which I think um, Alex started to um, allude to, and we even figured this out even before COVID, which is that, you know, to the extent that no artist, no editor, nobody who's creating and working on content really has content living on their desktop, right? If they have it in Box, if they have it in, you know, Fifth Kind, Pix, some SaaS app, or they have it in a cloud workspace, right? Because, you know, that's where they're actually doing their work. No matter what happens at the end of the day, or if they, you know, lose their laptop, their computer, somebody breaks into their home, whatever happens, if all the content kind of lives centrally in all those shared apps, cloud, you know, containers, services, et cetera, it, it doesn't matter, right? Because then there's nothing actually sitting on that desktop, in that home, on that local drive. So we, we had started even before COVID to really write content protection policies that said nothing can actually live on, on, you know, on your machine. You may have to pull something there to quickly do something where you maybe need more performance, but everything has to be saved you know, in, in all of those, those central systems. And then you're not really having to protect and worry about all those machines. I mean, you still have to worry about the vector of attack to the machine to, you know, you know, you know, to um, get to that shared data. But to the extent that everything ends up in those uh, shared systems, right, there, it's much easier right, to protect content when you have it centralized, you can actually build a Fort Knox. But when you have you know, 10,000 little places, it's hard to build a Fort Knox in each one. So true. You know, we, we have been thinking about that, you know, living the dream, right, <laughs> with production in the cloud. Yeah. And for years, you know, bit by bit, sort of working like on how do we make that happen? We've been partnered with Microsoft on some initiatives related to that in terms of transport. But, you know, the big dream, can you get the files off the camera to the cloud, editorial and visual effects without transport, right? That's the big dream. Getting there, you know, it's, it's going to take a whole industry to make it happen, but it will have a huge advantage to security and operation as well. Ryan, what are your thoughts? 
you know, I live in the PII world, so it's all about payroll and social security numbers, and uh, it's a lot. You have thousands of crew members working all over the world. Uh, we're managing 28-something systems. I mean, we're a bunch of finance people. We don't know about this stuff, but we are now becoming technology experts. We have now been forced to create technology teams that work specifically in the, in the finance and accounting realm. And uh, if you're not protecting them, be prepared that it's gonna get you know, misplaced or something. You know, you now have uh, productions with cast lists, crew lists. You know, we don't want that stuff just floating around. It used to just be paper less than two years ago. Um, and now it's all living in the cloud. It lives in secure servers. It gets distributed, watermarked. I mean, it is done right. And it has taken us COVID, you know, to really get there. And um, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of walking through every single piece of software, every banking, every bank document, DocuSign, Adobe Sign. You got to come up with a workflow. And as you create those workflows, uh, you got to look at every single step because there are holes and you don't even realize they're there. And, you know, once you figure these workflows out, which they're not perfect, they're Frankenstein together. We are far from perfect. And, uh, but it's at least we're making, we're aware of it, we're protecting it, and we are, uh, you know, at least working in the right direction. I was just going to add on one, one other challenge since we talked earlier about a challenge to other technology organizations. I think one of the, one of the bigger challenges is, as you're talking about, it's a lot of things are disparate. So one of the challenges we've had more recently as we're trying to make the move to the cloud is we've got dependencies on a lot of different systems, ones that do production tracking, ones that do the asset tracking, and each one of them has an independent way that you register a user account and that you give them sort of permissioning. Some use Okta, some don't. Exactly. It's just like it goes on and on. It's 100%. And so the ideal would be if we're... I still think the way forward is what you're talking about, whether it's the file sharing or whether it's the identity of a user in the ecosystem, we need to get more uniformity across the studios on that. I mean, it, it, the problem is the industry. It, it truly is. We, have, we work with freelance people. They work at every studio. They might work at HBO one day, they're gonna come and work at Warner Brothers and then Disney. So they're all over the place. And we can all do our own thing but every time they bounce around, it's a change and they have to learn it. There has to be this, you know, core way of doing things that is adopted amongst the entire industry. And if we come together and figure that out and come up with workflows that actually, you know, you know, fill all these gaps, you now have solutions that everybody can learn, everybody can get on board with, and we all move forward as a collective, kind of a collective group. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, all of our businesses were very into, you know, protecting creative content. Like I can't share our latest film slate and, and you know, for, for obvious reasons, but I do think it's technology organizations. And that's honestly why I came here. I saw the names and the organizations. I'm like reaching out, talking to more people diversely across organizations and the type of content they create. I do think we're going to need to somehow organically come together and make this work. We're going to have to share kind of what we're doing. And otherwise, we're all going to create little islands, I think, like you're saying. That's, that's a nice segue. It's coming together as an industry to tackle some very specific industry problems. We know that software will enable all transformations, and software is having an increasing uh, impact on the acceleration of change. But, you know, this is a nice segue into what are some of the uniques that, you know, the creating content Cloud technologies, if you're on the side of a mountain in Montana, you may not have <laughs> Wi-Fi unless you bring your own satellite. I mean, what are some of the unique challenges that this industry has to overcome? Um, do you want to, Ryan? I mean, I've been on set before where we were knee deep in the Caribbean with sharks swimming around and you're holding the camera, you know, your people are holding their equipment above their head. Yeah, you, this is the industry that we're in. Um, you always have to have another option. You, maybe it is paper. And if that's it, fine. Maybe it's an Adobe Excel spreadsheet, you know, whatever it might be. The, the truth is there's always a way and you have to just think through the process. Um, maybe it's as simple as being able to enter things and 
get it all set up. And the second you get that Wi-Fi signal, it pushes it out, you know, but, but being smart enough to sit down and figure it out while you're building the technology and not figuring it out, go, Oh, shoot, you know, we need, we should have done that. Let's figure it out now and build it, build it right. The first time. For sure. Yeah. You know, especially on the um, media workflow side, but even somewhat on uh, the business and finance side, you know, the problem you have now, which is so different, right, from 10 or 15 years ago, you know, like 10 or, 10 or 15 years ago, you would always be looking for a technology, right, to solve a specific problem. And then you might have to build a custom, you might have to take something that was sort of halfway there and work with the vendor to kind of close the gaps, right, to cover. And now we're at a point where any technology you can think of, right, there's a SaaS app for it. You know, you, you know there's, a, there's a SaaS app for just capturing the camera metadata. There's a SaaS app for just drawing on a whiteboard, you know, um, virtually, right? There, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds. We actually counted, I think, at one point that we had close to 300 SaaS apps just, just used across our, our feature films. And then you add on to that, right, all of the on-set equipment and then the stuff that's kind of a hybrid between a piece of on-set equipment and something that happens in the cloud, you know, that kind of extends the on-set piece of equipment. And now the problem is that you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of islands of best-of-breed technology. They solve every problem, but, but they're all islands, right? And they're all separated. Yep. And you can't, you know, you know, no matter how hard the studios try, I don't think we'll ever have an ERP um, of production tech, right? You know, the, you know, the creative preferences, right, will take, you know, will drive the exact same movie with the same locations, the same visual effects, the same script, but with different creative people, right, to use different tech, you know, because one person prefers shotgun, someone else prefers, you know, FileMaker Pro, whatever. Um, but then also the technology is changing so fast now that, you know, when somebody comes to you and says, hey, what's the best system for, you know, digital asset management or what's the best system for visual effects shot review? The answer today and three or four weeks from now is, is, is a different answer because every vendor keeps on leapfrogging each other. New ones keep on coming up. So there's no way to really say we're going to just standardize on these couple of tools and that's why you need something that really can kind of be at the center, be a media hub, integrate, right, with all of these tools, allow you to swap out plug and play. You know, like if on one production you want to use Shotgun, you use Shotgun. The next one, you use F-Track. The next one, you use FileMaker Pro, Bluescape, Box, whatever. Um, but we need that kind of versatility to be able to just plug and play but have some common you know, media metadata hub that kind of pulls it all together, you know, but lets the creatives be happy. I totally agree. And I think that this is an industry information architecture problem that is totally solvable over time by agreement that APIs are as essential as CyberSec. So we don't let anything in the door that we know about that hasn't been cleared from cybersecurity. I'd like to get to a place where we don't let it in the door if the APIs are not in place and available. Cast and crew is so ahead of the game. I'm sorry for the plug, but I'm just Thank saying. You. <laughs> uh, you know, their tech I team agree. is very like-minded, and we have leveraged that over the last two years of a journey um, to build out what we naively called the production metaverse. So it was before metaverse became a catch-all, but now I'm thinking maybe that was the coolest name we could have come up with. Um, so we had a film studio head who said to me, you know, what I want, Alex, is I want to be able to walk down the hallway and into a booth and see everything I need to understand about the current state of production and development. I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll do that. We're going to do that. So that's how we started. That was the, the birth of the production metaverse. And really what that meant was creating our own version of an ecosystem that is based on third-party components that understand our drive to provide information access to all of our studio and all of our productions and reduce the weight of operation of production because we can't afford to keep doing this in 
the current climate of high volume, rapid production. Um, so we're, we're halfway there. The next step is that visualization piece, which will be the trick, but the data collection is happening. Some of those APIs are in place and they're amazing. Um, we have big releases coming in the next uh, quarter, two quarters, um, for Disney Studios. And I feel like it's an it's a, um, industry-wide problem. And if we get our heads together, maybe Eric Weaver at the ETC will help us um, <laughs> figure out, uh, you know, what is the right way to standardize APIs? I 100% agree. <laughs> yeah, no, APIs is the way and an ontology of things. So we all, we believe there's an ontology in both the workflow and in the, 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 the products within that workflow. So we've spent some time with movie labs with, uh, with groups like Disney and Warner and others that are sharing in sort of here is the thing that we all do step by step. It's a very factory, digital factory way of defining things. And we're like, you know, we, we, you know, even I represent animation, but in animation, there's a lot of overlap with visual effects. There's models and there's materials and there's rigs and there's, we all build these things. But if you go to any independent studio, you're going to find their file systems are radically different and they don't need to be, they don't even need to be necessarily on a file system. If we can describe these things in a way that our applications that we all use, can find them and understand what they are, bring them in, hand them off to another tool. Then we don't have to depend on one vendor to invent this thing that glues everything together. All the vendors are together in this. So I, I, I'm a thousand percent in agreement that, and I do think it's the studios that will help drive that um, because as the consumers were, we're interested in having that be diversely distributed amongst all the vendors, I think. So Ryan, do we have industry alignment here? <laughs> yeah, I'm in. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think, you know, standardization, plug and play, to be able to pick and choose your technologies, but to have an integrated solution and a metaverse, as, as you talk about, is absolutely critical. What's the, um, the one challenge that you think um, that keeps you awake at night, the current challenge that could be something that's, increasingly becoming a challenge moving forward as we start to, to look to the future? I think for, for us personally, I can, speaking personally, I, I think latency is a challenge. I think everybody has different connectivity. Uh, so I think there's at least, you know, in animation, things are still tactile. And while people are a little more forgiving, like I said, they're not that forgiving. So if, if you know, there's a lot of hops from a home to you know the back plane of wherever you're going to be working out of so that's it's solvable but i think that's one another one is price cost so cost is a driver of most things right our productions are frugal in the end uh we want to take as minimal risk as we can financially for the big reward in the end but uh and a lot of these exciting technologies they can be misused so cloud in its own right is exciting it's amazing there's a lot of stuff you can get out of it but it's easily abused. If you take your on-prem practice and just one for one, put it into a cloud environment, I've seen it, even in our own studio, you'll go upside down really fast in cost. You need to know how to leverage those things. You make a, a, a less of a footprint than normally you'd make back home because you can, you can afford to put more stuff out home as you can when it's metered in a cloud environment. So I do think there's, there's some amount of effort to try to figure out how to most frugally use the cloud, not just get to there, but get to there and use the devices in a reasonably financial way. Because I think financial, it's a, it's a limiter. I would add to that that a, that a big challenge is um, agility, meaning that, you know, unlike I think a lot of other industries, corporate functions, right, you can never predict everything that's going to happen on a, a production, right? I mean, you know, a movie, especially live action, is it, it, just chaos, right? It's like, you know, controlled chaos. You walk into every day, whether you're on set or even in production technology supporting the uh, productions, and you have a list of what you're going to do today. And you get about three things of the 25 on that list. And the other 25 things you do that day, you didn't even know, right, when you walked in that uh, morning. And so what we need is the agility, right, to be able to, you know, very quickly react to all those things that happen that are chaotic that we can't predict, to be able to uh, support things very fast that go wrong and break, to be able to, when you get a call 
and someone tells you that there's a, a production that's going to start shooting on Monday and it's Friday and it's in Malaysia and it's on an island and you're like, why didn't you, you know, why didn't you tell me a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago? And they're like, well, because we weren't, you know, we were still circling around it. We didn't have one of the final elements there. But they'll tell you on Friday, right, that, you know, we're going to shoot Crazy Ridge Asians on Monday on an island in Malaysia and you've got to be ready. And so, you know, everybody will say you've got to do a better job at planning. But I think actually we need to do a better job operationally and with technology to just be agile, to be fast, to be able to pivot, to be able to deal with anything that's sort of thrown at, you know, at us, you know. And I think the cloud and some of, you know, the, um, you know, things that are sort of um, flexible and that you're getting as a service and getting by the drink, you know, help with that, right? Because then you don't have that lock into a bunch of capital investment, a bunch of on-premise stuff that can't pivot. Yeah. Ryan, what's keeping you awake? Um, losing momentum. I feel like COVID obviously catapulted everything and this industry it is you're just so busy everybody's so tired they're exhausted to learn new things to change is very difficult and we have to take advantage of the momentum that we have going and i i just fear that it's just going to plateau and then the ideas of integrating for me at least when i think about pay when i think about the productions being able to digitize everything, have it roll into production reports, hot costs, daily timesheets, everything that lives in your in your own cast and crew's world, you lose that momentum and producers don't want to take the time to learn it. They're like, no, nope, we're good. We 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 kind of we got there. We're there. No, we're not. We're not even close. Um, and so just let's go. Like look, we gotta take advantage now or else we're gonna miss our miss the boat. Alex, what's your biggest concern? Excuse me. Your biggest concern currently. Staying ahead of it, um, along with everything, I agree with everything that the said in terms of concerns or challenge, but definitely staying ahead of it. There's just a lot of new tech. I think to Ryan's point on set, there's a lot of burnout from new solution, new solution, new solution. You know, we talked about COVID earlier, and my goodness, think about the kinds of adoption that occurred in the last year and a half, which is things like Remote Video Village and Digital PO, and just you name it across the board. So yeah, stay ahead of the, the vast change. Okay, so let's, let's be more the challenge, but let's look at the opportunity and what excites us most about the future. Adam, what most excite you about the opportunities that we have ahead? I think what actually excites me the most is that, you know, I think back when I started in the industry in 2001, technology was basically, you know, the guy that cleans the bathroom, that makes sure that the toilets work, the sinks work, it's all clean when you walk in. You don't want to know the guy's name, you don't want to know how he did it, right? That's how it that's how it really was, right? It was sort of a necessary evil. It was that dirty thing that sort of had to be done. And it was seen as kind of a lower calling, right? Because what was really important was creative, production, post, visual effects. And then there's like the guy that kind of cleans the plumbing and makes everything work, right? But suddenly, I think COVID pushed it over the top, but it was happening before. But now technology is really that fourth or fifth leg in the stool. And it's and it has an equal place at the table, right, to visual effects and post-production and physical production. And in some cases, it actually has a uh, larger place, right? And that is so exciting, right? Just to think that with every, you know, going forward, every time someone's making a movie and making a TV show, they're actually thinking of technology as a way to make it better and make it differently. Um, NoCal and SoCal working together? <laughs> Fantastic. Ryan, what's one of the, the things that excites you most about the future opportunities, where we're going? Um, for the first time, everything's going to be digital in, in, in between, you know, just financials, numbers. We have the... We are going to be able to dump this into all these analytic tools that are out there. We haven't even started, at least from a you know from a studio's perspective. Producers on the ground, they're going to be able to look at things differently that they they don't even know exist. And all of a sudden, it, it could really change the game on how you produce a TV show or a movie because they're able to visualize 
time, money, costs in a different way. And that's, I think, I think that's the future. Doug? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. You're talking about earlier about the technology organization not sort of having its, its, its time to shine in the, in the light, right? I, so I went to film school so many years ago because I just love this crazy business. It's, it's nuts, but I love the hell out of it. But, but it was always tough because it's like, well, you're going to be a writer or a director. And it's like, I'd love to be all those things. A tough, tough to get into that. Uh, I tried. Uh, I still, I still think I, you know, I appreciate all of those people, but I grew up coding. I grew up as a techno geek and I was like, how am I going to make a dent in this crazy film world? Like, I don't know that my skills apply. And so the most exciting thing for me is it's totally going to mind now looking at where all of this is going. It's like, I, I suddenly feel more empowered that I can be more part of this creative business and, and help in a significant way move forward a lot of these initiatives that need to move forward. And it's, it's just really exciting. And the crew that I have that I work with day to day, they're feeling it too. It's as we work with more partners and we're seeing where people want to go and all these verticals that used to be very analog and not digital. And now they're suddenly turning into a digital world and they don't want to work analog anymore. It's, it's there's so much of that now. It's just stars in my eyes for all of it. So yeah, it's really exciting. And Alex, um, I know that you have something you wanted to share around some exciting developments from a technology perspective at Disney. I do. So it's a big week at Disney Television Studios and for Disney. Um, kind of buried the lead here, but uh, this week we have launched our um, advanced production technology program, which is an important component. But the main thing about that program is that we have opened the doors to our virtual production stage on stage one of the Disney lot in Burbank um, that has been developed in partnership between Disney Television Studios and Industrial Light and Magic using Industrial Light and Magic's stagecraft solution. It's built with the objective of supporting a very practical implementation for television purposes down to we've got a car rig <laughs> with LEDs on an XYZ. It's, it's, it's very cool. We're incredibly proud of it. Um, our deep partnership with ILM is what made this possible. Um, our intent is to offer this to all of our uh, Disney television productions, make it accessible, remove some of the friction and fear around a new technology by providing extraordinary support between the technology program, the guys at ILM who are amazing, um, and this actual facility where things can be tested, tried, demoed. Um, so we put, it took us probably about a year to think about it, to go back over the two years of Slate and think about what we had produced and what we'd spent, and if we'd had a stage like this, where might we have utilized it and could we afford to do it? That was the biggest question, especially for television. And our answer was yes, um, if we do it right and if we're careful and thoughtful. And so we went for it. Um, and I have to say the, the partnership with ILM but also the leadership of our production executive, John Ziffrin, uh, who has um, decidedly led the charge to make this happen um, and had a great deal of vision and courage. Um, and I've, as his co-founder, um, what we discovered, even though we're actually launching this week, is that the need is there to the extent that we've already produced three shows on the stage. <laughs> so um, it's uh, we actually had a multicam uh, comedy show up and produce last week to great effect. Um, that's a pun, um, to great effect, and something that would have been, I we would have thought that would have been the greatest challenge, and they went for it, and I'm just so proud of them and what they accomplished in an incredibly short time. That's really exciting, and thanks for sharing with us. It feels like a bit of an exclusive, so I uh, really appreciate it. Um, the clock is kind of down to zero, so I want to just, uh, on that exciting note, to really just ask you all, we talked about at the start, that production is going to be over 90 billion in 2024. I want you just to very succinctly make one prediction for the future. What are we going to be seeing in 2024 in, in, in our world uh, that you could call out and we'll maybe come back in 2024 or 2025 and see if you were right? 
Um, do you want to kick us off, Adam? I would say that one thing that we're not going to see is a um, you know consolidation of all the technology into one thing that runs an entire production. I think the fragmentation and the rate of change and the um, you know you know the constantly leapfrogging tech is still going to be there. Ryan. Uh, in, in my world, we're going to be f fully digital. There's no paper. We don't have paper now, but it's going to be clean workflows. I predict we will have greater efficiencies, uh, less man hours of doing monotonous stuff. I think it's going to be fantastic. I, I, I'm very bullish on it. Me too. I love it. Um, I think uh, for us, Given our momentum, I really honestly think as an artist, you could literally be anywhere in the world and have the exact experience of sitting down at DreamWorks Animation, all the same tools, all the same uh, access to, to, to creative talent. I think, you're, I think from what I'm seeing and the partnerships we have, I, there's no way I can't see us there. Thanks, Doug. Alex, bring us home. I think we're going to have a creative expansion in episodic television based on the new technologies we just talked about and that this event is all about. I think we're going to be producing things we would have shut down at the door uh, five years ago. Wonderful. Well, thank you to the Infinity Festival for bringing us here and giving us this opportunity. Thank you all for your very generous time with us today. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, some really stimulating topics, and let's go technology. Thank you very much. This has been the Infinity Festival Hollywood Podcast, a production of the Infinity Festival Hollywood and the Augmented City. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms and our website, infinityfestival.com. That's one word, infinityfestival.com. And there you'll find a full schedule, speakers, and map of this year's festival. We want to thank our presenting sponsors, Z by HP, NVIDIA, XLA, and our co-presenter Qualcomm for their support of this audio series. I'm John Gaunt, inviting you to Hollywood's Vinyl District this November for the Infinity Festival Hollywood 2022. Thanks for listening.